Good morning, Ridgeway. Thanks for joining us online this morning, wherever you are. We're so glad you joined us today. We're gonna to be continuing our conversation on our series, Rooted. And over the past few weeks, we have been talking about things that ground our faith. Week one, Pastor Brian talked about the church, not a building, but a people who are called out by God. And right now we're experiencing what it truly means to be the church in such a profound way. We aren't able to gather in person, and so we're being forced to get creative about how we continue to be a faith community. And then last week, Wayne spoke a powerful message about hope, how in the midst of whatever we face, our faith is rooted in the hope that we have in Jesus. If you didn't join us online last week, check out that message. It was encouraging and timely for what we're currently walking in. But this morning, we are continuing our conversation and we're talking about worship. As Christ followers, worship is an essential element that keeps us rooted in our faith. Oftentimes we think of worship as the songs we sing at the beginning of a Sunday service. And while that is one aspect of worship, worship is actually so much more than that. And so this morning, I wanna start by kind of tackling this idea of what is worship. And the first thing I want, to, want us to all understand is that worship is an overflow of our adoration for God. The definition worship means the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. And adoration simply means deep love and respect. And so worship is an overflow of our deep love and respect for our God. Our worship is fueled by a boundless confidence in God's character. If you don't have a personal revelation of who God is, you're gonna be worshiping from a place of religion rather than relationship. But when we walk with God, when we read his word and we um, talk with him and we discover more of who he is, our worship is fueled from a place of knowing his character and, his, and, and having confidence in that. I know for me personally, there's been times in my life where I've come to know God as provider in a very real way in moments where I was desperate for provision and I saw God show up miraculously. In that moment, I realized this is God, my provider. Or maybe times in my life where I began to discover God as a friend because during that season, I was lonely and I needed friendship and, and God became friend to me in such a real way. And so as we walk with him, we begin to see aspects of his character. And that is what fuels our worship. That's what fuels an overflow of our heart to him. I wanna look at a story this morning in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Verse 38, and it says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Okay, pause for a moment. If you're a sibling in the room, you understand what this is. This is a classic sibling tattletale sesh, all right? Martha is, is irritated and frustrated with her sister because she's not pulling her weight. She's being lazy. And what she's wanting here in this moment and what she's expecting in this moment is for Jesus to call her sister Mary out and say, hey, Mary, 
step up your game, quit being lazy, help Martha with the housework, help her host me. But guess what Jesus says instead? He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. I love that. Jesus was identifying that what Mary was doing in that moment was worship. It was leaning in to who he was and what he had to say. And we have these two characters, Mary and Martha. Martha is getting ready to host Jesus. She's busy. She's, you know, rushing around, getting everything set in the house to host Jesus and feed him, which is a great thing. It's an important thing. But then there's Mary who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, leaning on his every word. She's so hungry and desperate for him. And if I'm being totally honest with you, I often feel like I can relate more easily to Martha. I like to get things done. I'm always aware of the task that needs to happen to accomplish the goal. But Mary just wanted to be in Jesus's presence. And we often can live life at a pace where we're going from one activity to the next, pausing long enough to sleep at night and then get back up and start it all over again. We stay so busy doing thing after thing after thing. And right now we're living in a time where we are being forced to get back to the basics. Many of us can't go to work, or if we can, there are certain restrictions in place that have stripped away our usual chaotic schedule. Our world is quieter and our world is a little bit simpler. And today I want to encourage all of us, myself included, to be like Mary, to lean into Jesus, to listen to his voice and show him our love and respect by pausing to be in his presence. Worship is an overflow of our adoration for God. Another thing that worship is, is it is an outpouring of our lives to God. It's a life of sacrifice to our God who deserves it all. I want to look at another story in the book of Mark. And this is a story that I think displays worship in such a beautiful way. In this story in Mark chapter 14, it starts in verse three and, and it, it starts off talking about Jesus. It says, while he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can, you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare my, me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And here we are reading her story. What I love most about this woman is that her worship was extravagant and unreserved. She did what many considered foolish, taking an expensive perfume and pouring it on Jesus's head. It says that the perfume costs about a year's wages. So imagine for a second, taking every penny you earn this year and putting all of that into one jar of perfume and imagine pouring that out on Jesus's head. It seems crazy. It seems like a total waste of money. But to this woman, it wasn't a waste of money. 
It was a costly sacrifice for her king. A few months back, there was a song that came out by Bethel Church and I heard it for the first time and I was so impacted by the lyrics and it's actually taken from this passage of, passage of scripture. It's about this woman with the alabaster jar. And I asked the team if they would sing it for us. And maybe you know it, maybe you've heard it and you can sing along if you have, but if you haven't, I just wanna encourage you to listen to it and allow these words to just sink in. It talks about how worship is so much more than just an act. It's about a lifetime, a lifelong style of praising God and, and making him number one in our lives. So let's take a look at this. Worship is an outpouring of our lives to God. 
Worship is the culmination of our whole lives. It's everything we do in in response to who he is and what he's done for us. Worship is anything that brings God glory. That's why worship is so much more than singing. It encompasses our whole lives, what we think, what we do, what we say. So worship can be a number of things. One thing it can be, it can be seen in our giving. It's giving our financial best. The word of God talks about how um, God asks us to bring our first fruits of our income. So for me, when I get my paycheck every two weeks, an act of worship is giving my, my best, my tithe and my offering to what he's doing in our church on this earth. That is an act of worship. Also, worship is loving people. In the New Testament, Jesus is asked, what, what is the greatest commandment? And his response is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love people. And so loving people can be an act of worship for us. It's, it's aligning our hearts with what God loves and loving what he loves. Also service, serving is an act of worship. I think one area where I personally serve is on Wednesday nights in our, in our youth ministry. And there's a team of us that come and serve on Wednesday nights and we love our youth students and we absolutely love being a part of their lives. But for us, it is so much more than just that. It is an act of worship to God. And the cool thing about serving is that when, when our service is rooted in a foundation of worship to God, it doesn't matter whether or not we get thanked. It doesn't matter whether or not we feel you know, entirely passionate about it on the day that we're serving. When it's rooted in worship to God, we do it no matter what. And I love youth on Wednesdays, but there are days, if I'm being honest, where I'd rather just go home after work and get comfy on the couch and watch a TV show. But I show up on a Wednesday night because my, my service is rooted in worship. It's about Christ. It's not about me. Worship is revering him and giving honor to his name. It's selfless sacrifice. So that is a very brief description of what worship is. If we took a few weeks and broke this down, we could go on and on into a deep dive of what worship is because it's so extensive. But that's a a, a brief glimpse at what worship is. But my next question this morning is why do we worship? We know what worship is, but why do we do it? And the first reason I want to give you is because we were made to love God and be loved by him. In the book of Genesis, it tells us about how God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He communed with them and they enjoyed each other's presence. At the beginning of time, God spoke the world into motion. He created the heavens and the earth. He created land and sea, plants and animals, and all of that was good. But then God created humankind. He created man and woman in his image. And when he did that, he created a soul inside of us, an ability for us to commune with him different than the way he communed with animals or plants or anything else. And Adam and Eve's unique purpose in the garden was to bring God pleasure, joy, and fellowship, which is the foundation of all genuine worship. And there's this verse in 1 John 4, 19 that I just love. It says this, we love because he first loved us. And so why do we worship? We worship because we were made to love. We were made to be loved by God and to love him in return. Another reason why we worship is because everything comes from God. Our worship is a response to God's great love. 
And our worship is most pure when we understand how great his love is for us. You know, in two weeks time, we are celebrating Easter. And Easter is probably the, the, the most important day on our Christian calendar year. It is the celebration of all celebrations because it is the one day a year where we celebrate it throughout the year, but we really commemorate it on Easter Sunday as a time of honoring what God did for us. God sent his son, Jesus, who was holy and blameless. And he came to earth and he took on our sin and our shame, the, the guilt that we carry. He removed it from us and he died a sinner's death, even though he was sinless. And what he did is he bridged a gap between us and God to not only experience eternity with him someday when we pass from this earth, but also to have community and relationship with him while we're on this earth. He made a way for us to walk in relationship, for us to experience hope and life day to day. It is incredible. And that's what we celebrate at Easter. Everything comes from God and our worship is a response to that incredible act of love that we celebrate at Easter. There's this verse in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, and it's David talking. And he says this, these gifts did not really come from me and my people. Everything comes from you and we can only give back to you what you have given to us. I like how David says that because David had this revelation of, of, of God and who he is and that everything David had actually came from God. And so everything David did was just a response to what God had already done. We worship for that reason. And then the final reason I want to share with you this morning of why we worship is because God strengthens us through worship. Worship does something to our soul and our spirit. As we fix our gaze on God and as we lift our eyes off of our circumstances, transformation takes place within us. Many of us can attest to this. Why do you think your posture changes when you praise him? We can be discouraged, we can be overwhelmed and fearful, but when we turn on a worship song in our car or in our home and we begin to declare who God is, things begin to shift in our lives. God strengthens us when we worship. And you and I were created to bring God glory. We were created for a life of worship. I love what that song said that the team shared with us. It said this, let it rise like incense. My whole life a fragrance every ounce here broken at your feet, every breath and offering, my heart cries, these lungs sing over you, my worthy King of Kings. Second Corinthians 2.15 says, for we are God, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. A pleasing aroma of Christ. We have an opportunity to let our worship be a pleasing aroma to him. And right now, we have the opportunity to bring things back to the basics. It's not about singing your favorite song on a Sunday morning in a church building. That we realize, right? It's about allowing the overflow of our lives to be a beautiful fragrance to a great God. It's about putting our lives on the altar and dying to our flesh daily and bringing honor to his name in everything we do. And so I wanna leave you with this challenge. What if we all committed to individually deepen our level of worship to our King? 
What if we committed in a new way, just going a little bit deeper, leaning in a little bit more, pausing everything around us and listening to his voice in a whole new way. That's gonna look different for each of us because we're all at different levels of relationship with him, but we can all go one step further and we can all lean into him just a little bit more. I just wanna pray for you this morning. So Lord God, I just thank you for every single person listening to my voice right now. Every person tuning in online, God, you see where we're all at individually. And Father, we bring our lives as worship to you. Just like Mary did as she sat at your feet and listened to your word. God, we wanna pause and lean into who you are. Lord, just as that woman with the alabaster jar extravagantly poured out her worship to you, we wanna pour out our lives to you. We wanna sacrifice our lives to you in that way. And Lord, this morning, we're all coming from different places and different situations in our lives, God. And I just wanna specifically pray for those that are maybe feeling fearful or discouraged or lonely at this time. God, I pray that you would be peace to them. God, I pray that you would bring encouragement and hope to their hearts right now. God, I pray for the families that are dealing with hardships or potential job loss. God, I pray that you would be provision for them in this time. God, we thank you that the circumstances around us don't define you and who you are. You are still God. You are still on your throne. And Lord, you still love us and you still care for our needs. And so, God, we worship you this morning for who you are. We honor you, God. We come before you with reverence and we praise you for who you are, God. We thank you, Jesus, for your nearness to us in this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to close by reading this psalm to you. It's Psalm 63. It's just a couple verses. 63 verse 1 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift your hands, lift my hands. So Ridgeway, let's be known as a worshiping people. Let's not be shaken by the things that are around us. Let's not fall apart at our circumstances, but instead let's be a people that choose to speak and sing about his goodness in this time. And I just wanna close with this, if you need prayer, of any kind, if you need assistance, if you're going through a difficult time right now, would you reach out to us? You can call or email our church office. Why don't you contact your ministry leader or your connect group leader or a friend you know from church? And let's be praying for each other in this time. Let's be supporting each other in this time. Like we've said so many times, the church isn't a building, it's a people. And so even if you're not a ministry leader or a pastor or a connect group leader, I wanna encourage you to be thinking of people around you and send them a text, give them a phone call, ask how they're doing, and let's together as the church, a corporate body, God's people, let's be checking in on each other and praying for each other and looking after one another. Church, we love you, Ridgeway. We love you and we are praying for you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you next week.